uh, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. We've been talking about the armor of God and um, that we need to put on all of the armor. And we have mentioned about uh, the current state of affairs in our world is so much focus on the natural, so much focus on the physical, so much focus on the chemical, uh, but there's not as much focus on the spiritual. And uh, I'm not opposed to people uh, taking all their precautions. I, I encourage people to be as safe as you can, do whatever you feel you need to do, whether you want to wear a full body suit, gloves, goggles, face shield, mask. That doesn't bother me whatsoever. You do whatever you want to do. Uh, you're your own individual. But in all those pieces that you put on in safety from getting sick, don't forget to put on the helmet of salvation. And don't forget to pick up uh, the shield of faith. And that's that's the concern I have uh, in this day and age, that everybody's putting on the gloves, everybody's putting on the hazmat suits, everybody's putting on the goggles, everybody's putting on the face shield, but they're not putting on the, uh, the shield of faith and they're not putting on the helmet of salvation. And that's what we got to make sure we put on when we put everything on. In other words, we're going to find ourselves... Um, Walking in the natural, walking in the flesh, and not walking in the spirit. Because this is a spiritual thing. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against power. We, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. And so we have talked about the belt of truth. We have talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And now today we are talking about uh, Ephesians 6.15, where he says, Have your feet shod with the preparation of... Of the gospel of peace. So we're talking about these gospel shoes. And I find this an interesting uh, part of the armor of God uh, because in the rest of the context of Scripture, everything is, in, is talking about war. It's talking about battle. Uh, it's, it's, it's talking about armor. Uh, and so you think of the fight, you think of the war, but yet it would call these shoes the gospel of peace. You don't think of peace when you think of war. You think of fighting. You think of conflict. You think of all this negativity. But in the whole armor of God, there is an element that brings peace. And it is the gospel shoes. And the gospel is so controversial that it resulted in the death of Jesus and 11 of the apostles. And so... Again, it's just interesting that it's called the gospel of peace, but this controversial thing called the gospel is what killed Jesus and the apostles. Of course, if the gospel is believed and obeyed, it will ultimately bring peace to the recipient. It's only the gospel of peace if you receive it into your life, if you practice it and put it into place in your life. But the absence of the gospel is the absence of peace. I also believe the gospel is better received peacefully when we are prepared intentionally. And this is very important that we get this into our hearts and our minds here today, that the gospel, this message is more likely to receive peacefully if we, the messenger, are prepared intentionally. The word shod means to bind under one's feet or to put on. In modern-day vernacular, we would say tying your shoes. You don't run onto the court. You don't run onto the field if you're an athlete with your shoes untied. It says shod with preparation of the gospel. Our witness is better received when we are better prepared. 
Our witness is better received when we are better prepared. We want to spread the gospel, but are we prepared or are we preparing? Are we doing either of those? You, uh, you can be prepared, but if you're not prepared, you can be in the process of preparing. But the alternative of not doing anything is not going to bring about a peaceable presentation of the gospel. This is why we must be students of the word and continually develop ourselves to be better or more effective. I like Ecclesiastes 10.10. The word of the Lord says, if the iron is blunt he d- and the person does not wet the edge, doesn't sharpen the sword or the axe, then he must put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. Basically, sharpen your tool, sharpen your weapon. It's important to sharpen our skill set so we work smarter, not harder. For people that find witnessing difficult and it's a stress, it's a strain and they're breaking a sweat and they're all this kind of uh, the feel, feelings of failure. Uh, it might be because you're not sharpening your tool. You're not preparing your delivery. And so we can work smarter. We don't necessarily have to work harder, though it doesn't mean we have to be lazy either, but we can be more direct. We can be more effective. And I want to be effective. Amen. So there's ways of improvement. One of them in 2 Timothy 2.15 says we can study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This study, this preparation, will it will remove the shame, the embarrassment, and help us to be more accurate and concise and effective. First Peter 3.15 is another great verse where the apostle says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so some points to note here is that we can diffuse anger, misunderstandings, opinions if our shoes are tied and we are prepared. It's a lot easier when you're prepared. It's a lot easier when you're ready because delivery is everything. So we want to prepare to deliver the gospel with preparation. Preparation, uh, it boils down to prayer, study of doctrine, and the practice of delivery. If you are a praying person, if you are a studying person, and if you are practicing, you know, the, this that you have been preparing, you are going to be more effective. You'll be a little more cool in the heat of the battle, so to speak, and in that confrontation, that conflict, that discussion, that dialogue that takes place. But if you are unprepared, then comes the nerves enter in and the fear, the worry. You don't know how to react, how to respond. You didn't see that coming. And all of a sudden that, uh, that that's where all the emotions could swell and rise. And then you could say something in the heat of the moment that you regret or messes up the entire witness to all together. But if you are prepared, you're going to have a better delivery. Proverbs 22 and 21 says this, that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that you might answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. So pray to know what you believe so that you're not deceived because you want to know the certainties of the word of truth, because we must have an answer for those who God sends to us this this proverb that we just read says if you you know the certainty of the words of truth that you'll be ready to answer those 
that God sends to you. And God wants to send people to us. But why would God want to send someone to us if we haven't prepared anything for them? We may not know who they are, but God knows who we are and who if we are ready for them, whoever them may be. God's going to send a revival, a harvest to a people that are prepared. Our feet must be shod. They must be tied. They must be ready. They must be prepared because God doesn't want to see any soul perish. He's going to do everything he can to make sure souls come in contact with prepared souls that are saved. Philippians 1 7 says, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul literally states he is appointed to plea, answer and defend. That's what that phrase set for the defense means. The word defense in the Greek is where we get the word apologetics or to answer and clear one's self. So Paul could uh, Paul not only could preach the gospel, but he could teach the gospel, meaning he could explain it because he was prepared and studied. Uh, you know, I've I've been doing the ministry thing it, it, from pulpit and teaching and preaching for for uh, 14 years. And I have found that it takes more planning and preparation to teach than it does to preach. It's not that preaching is lazy or uh, haphazard or whatever or sloppy, but it is a different, it's a different element. It's a different ministry. But if you're going to try to expound on a particular concept, it takes more time, more preparation, more gathering, more intentionality, more uh, uh, premeditated thought. And so when we're talking about the gospel, remember, the whole armor of God, we're thinking of battle, we're thinking of war, we're thinking of death, we're thinking of all this negativity. But when it comes to the gospel, this is the piece of armor that brings peace. But it's hard to bring peace if you're not prepared with the message that God wants us to deliver. A prepared person has a better delivery. A prepared person can be more effective. And so we have to make sure with this blessed truth that we have, that we don't say, bless God, I got the truth. I mean, I'm thankful that we have that spirit, that we got it, but we got to know how to explain it. And each of us must learn that if we're ever going to be effective and if God's going to trust us with people. And so Galatians 1.8 goes on to say, Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Basically, if your shoes aren't tied up, you'll trip up. You know, if you ever, you know, as a young kid, you see kids running around with their laces flopping all over the place. Like, hey, tie your shoes. You're going to trip. You're going to fall. And so that's why as a kid, I always wanted the Velcro shoes. So I didn't have to worry about that kind of thing. But if we are that, that way with the gospel, if we don't tie up our shoes, if we're not prepared, we will trip up. So we got to know the gospel and stay tied to the gospel, or we could end up tripping over another gospel. In Romans 1, 16, Paul said it like this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Don't be ashamed of the shoes that God gave you. And, you know, sometimes you can, uh, if you have any childhood memories where your parents would buy the shoes, sometimes you get the shoes and you're kind of like, man, come on, mom, I don't, I don't want to go to school with these. Are you kidding me? Uh, I, I'm a guy. I'm not supposed to go to school with Hannah Man, Montana shoes or whatever the case extreme may be. Uh, there, there is a certain shame to it, but we have nothing to be ashamed of with the shoes 
that God gave us, but also if we know all the facts about the shoes, if we are familiar with them and prepared, we won't have nothing to be embarrassed about. But if you've been, say, you've been in the church for uh, 20 years, 30 years, or five years, whatever the case may be, and you can't really explain anything about the shoes you're wearing to somebody, that can cause some embarrassment, some frustration, because, you know, here we are boasting or claiming or thankful or proud of the message and the truth that we have, but we don't even know how to convey that truth to somebody. This is why we must, the more equipped we are, the more we read the Bible and pray about it and practice our delivery and look at certain scripture, and we will find ourselves not nervous. It's just kind of like the first day uh, uh, for me personally, I could just think of Starbucks. I, I, I didn't know nothing about coffee. I didn't know nothing about being on an espresso bar and serving people. I mean, I'm just shaking. I'm nervous. And, you know, it's just a minimum wage job. But like I just got bullet sweat, you know, and I'm just, you know, all f- flustered and all that kind of stuff because I wasn't familiar with it. But the more I got familiar with it, the more comfortable I was where it became a second nature that no matter who came to me, what question they had, I had been prepared for no matter the rush, no matter what the recipe was going to be. And that's how we ought to be with our gospel shoes tied up and prepared. So God, when he gave you these shoes, he did not make a mistake. He knew what he was doing when he chose the elements of the gospel. We may not necessarily understand the parts and elements of the shoes, but we got to make sure that we trust God, that God, we have nothing to be ashamed of. God could have chose any method for the plan of salvation. God could have chose, you know, uh, uh, repent and be baptized in jello. Uh, he could have said, you know, be filled with the Holy Ghost evidence by yellow toenails. He, he could have chose anything he wanted to, but he chose baptism in Jesus' name. He chose infilling the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And so realize what you believe comes from God. And you don't have to be ashamed for God. You don't have to be embarrassed for God. You just got to trust him. Say, God, you know what? I, people may not understand this, but I trust you. And I'm thankful that you've given me the only saving gospel. And the more you can get comfortable with that and confident with that, when somebody opposes what you're teaching and preaching, there's still a peace about you. There's a calmness about you. There's a, 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 a certainty that should be inside of us because I'm telling you, at first, when you start, I mean, you're, you're, you're scared, you're freaked out, you're, uh, you're intimidated, and you, you hear questions you never thought of before. But after a while, the more you practice, the more you're tied up and prepared in, 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 in reading and re- the Bible and looking at core doctrines and, and all that kind of, the more you're exposed to it, the more you're accustomed to it. It, it's been, it. it just takes, it's been a long time. It happens every now and again, but it's very rare where I hear a question about the gospel that I never heard before. It's very rare, but it happens. And then I'll, I'll, I'll let the per- I'll acknowledge it. Say, That's a great question. I never thought about that before. I acknowledge that person because if you're prepared and you've been in those situations before, you can diffuse what could rather escalate quickly. But if you're unfamiliar with it and you're not prepared with it, it could spin out of control so fast. And all of a sudden, that moment of, of uh, invitation into someone's heart and mind and soul has now just been closed on you. But if you learn and you're prepared, you could handle these situations a lot better. Matthew five fourteen and 15, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle 
and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick so I can give light unto all that are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Now, you and I, uh, we 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 have that thing called human nature. And uh, if you're like typical humans, you like to complain every now and again. And uh, but if we can complain about how dark our world is or we can go light it. God gave us these shoes to go light our world. All darkness is is the absence of light. But if we tie up our shoes and we get the light out of our house and walk to these hills and walk to these prairies and walk to areas of darkness, all of a sudden, the Bible says, uh, light came into darkness and darkness comprehended it not. That word comprehend in John chapter 1 literally means it could not overcome it. It could not overtake it. It didn't mean it didn't register. It just couldn't, it couldn't eclipse it. Light is superior to darkness. So, we have to uh, fix our attendance. If, if we've never been in a dark area, we need to go to dark areas. I'm not talking about like exploring sin and, and investigating. I wonder what that would be like out of curiosity. No, taking this candle that we, we have an assurance in and a peace in and go to somewhere where they don't have peace and bring this gospel. Ephesians 4.15 or uh, Matthew 10.16, I'm sorry. Jesus said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Ask God to help you to have wisdom in your witness. And ask God to help you to have warmth in your witness. You got you to gotta be wise and you got to have a warm heart. You got to have some love, some tenderness inside of you. Be wise as a serpent, but be harmless as a dove. And in our witness, I, I, I want to be wise as a serpent. But I also want to have warmth about me. Like when I think of warmth, I'm not thinking about a snake. <laughs> but a dove is something that's more, you know, uh, uh, approachable and comforting and uh, non-confrontational in nature. And so what we need to have is both elements. I want to have wisdom when I'm witnessing to someone. But I don't want to come across as, as uh, when I'm witnessing to someone, talking to someone, that I'm, I'm there to strike them. I want to be someone that brings warmth, that they, they feel peace, they feel comfort, they feel love, and they begin to open up. People open up to people uh, that they feel love them and care about them. They have their best interest at heart. Ephesians 4.15, Paul said it like this, speak the truth in love. We can speak truth without love, but we can't speak love without truth. Not telling someone the truth is the cruelest thing you can do to someone you care about. It's the, it's, it's the cruelest thing that you could be so close to someone and never have the decency or the love to let them know the truth. So ask God to help you have love in your witness. Uh, because if, if we, when we get saved, sometimes we can get radical and not just saved it. Sometimes we, we get calloused over the years. We can get so radical about, about what we believe where we're always like on this attack mode with this gospel. This again, these shoes are the gospel of peace. You know, they, these, these are not, these are not shoes made to kick people, kick doors down and kick people in the teeth with the gospel. No, you can walk softly. You can walk carefully. You can walk discreetly. You can walk calmly. You can walk in such a manner that people feel comfortable with. That's the kind of walk I want to have. 1 Corinthians 9.16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. 
Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Now, be glad to know the truth, but be sad if you hide the truth. I'm glad to know the truth, but it ought to grieve our hearts to hide the truth because there's a woe to those who do not share the gospel. Paul says, man, woe is me if I share not the gospel, because if I don't share it, I'm not sharing it with somebody that is lost. Second Corinthians four, three and four says, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So the cost of hiding the gospel is too great, and the risk of rejection pales in comparison to the risk of reception. Just as many people as can reject us, just realize there's someone that will receive us. And that's more important to keep in mind. Well, I believe it's, uh, I don't think it's on here in the handout, but it's um, Hebrews chapter 12. And when it talks about Jesus, it says in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And it says, who for the joy that was set before him, he despised the shame, but he endured the cross. He didn't, Jesus didn't like the rejection, but he did it because he loved and he did it because he knew there was going to be people that did receive his love, that did receive his message. And that's what we got to know, that, yes, the, the bad may outnumber the good, but the good outweighs the bad. The rejection might outnumber the reception, but the reception outweighs the rejection. Because once you find someone that receives this gospel and receives this truth, it makes it all the worth while it's what keeps me going it's what keeps me ticking knowing that there's somebody out there i i hate being rejected i hate people walking away i hate when those things happen but there's somebody out there that's just like me that as hard-headed as i am as stubborn as i am as carnal as i am someone broke through to me and god's grace made it through this hard calloused heart and here i am today and there's someone else out there just like you just like me. And woe to us if we don't share this gospel. If we hide it, it's hid to them that are lost. James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that the person that converts the sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and will hide a multitude of sins. To save a soul is to fill the hole in the gospel. We have, we have to put on our gospel shoes. we got to tie them tightly, and we have to go. You know, these shoes are not to show off. They're to go forth. You know, they, they, they serve a purpose, and we cannot forget the purpose of the shoes. Our shoes are not made to parade around like, oh, look at these things. Look how awesome these bad boys are. My shoes are better than your shoes. My shoes are nicer than your, your shoes. Uh, that, that's not the purpose of them. You don't, again, using the, 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 the concept or the illustration of athletic where athletes on a basketball court or on a football field or whatever it may be, you don't see them out there, you know, pointing to other people, their shoes and look, look how pretty my, my shoes are better than your shoes. No, their shoes are serving a purpose in the field. 
Their shoes are serving their purpose in the moment. And that's what our shoes are. We're not supposed to go walking around just feeling better because our shoes are nicer than someone else, which I do believe we have the greatest shoes on earth. I believe we have the best product out there. But we got to make sure we don't forget the cause. Don't forget the purpose. We have a cause. We have a purpose. These shoes were designed to do something, not to show off, but to go forth. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so Paul, as he's talking to the Roman church, he he explains to them, he says, look, there's a whole world that is lost and dying. But how can they ever be saved if nobody goes forth with these shoes that have this message? And he gives that insight, just like Jesus did with the apostles. Jesus gave him a heads up. He goes, look, if they're going to reject me, they're going to reject you. If they're going to hate me, they're going to hate you. If they're going to do this to your master, if they're going to do this to the son of man, what do you think they're going to do to you as an individual? And Paul says the same thing. He says, he says, look, not everybody's going to obey the gospel, but we do not cease reaching with the gospel because there are people that did not receive or refuse the gospel. You can never let rejection determine your projection. I've always got to project. I've always got to cast my bread on the waters. Even though I may not see that bread ever again, though no one may have an eat it may no one ever taste it but i know that this gospel is true and i'm thankful that someone didn't stop reaching even though other people refused them because finally it got through to me finally it reached me right finally it impacted me and we will reach someone i i I can't remember if i shared it uh last sunday or if it was in um Maybe it was in our leadership session. I, I don't remember when, but just recently I was just talking about our trip out to the Black Hills. And when we went into those, those uh, uh, an abandoned or um, an old mine shaft that closed, and it, it was uh, some 500 feet long, and it went straight the whole way until the end. It, it went to the left for just a moment, then it went to the right for just a moment, and uh, then they were finished. And it was in the late 1800s, early 1900s, this mine shaft. But we walked in there with a tour guide and it was dark and all that. And it was, the rock was like, like a stone. It was, if I was maybe a good tourist, I would have listened to what kind of rock it was, but it was a hard rock. Okay. How about that? And so the solid rock that was very impenetrable and very difficult for them to go through. Um, we finally got to a point in the tour guide says, uh, how, how far do you guys think we walked? And people guessed. And she said, we walked 250 feet. And then she said, the next question was, how long do you think it took them to get to this point? And the answer was 15 years to, to get to 250 feet, just to get that far down into this mine shaft. These, these two individuals spent 15 years going all the way to make it into this mine shaft. And that's the first time that they struck gold. That's the first time that they hit their first sliver of gold. And so 
It took them that long to be that consistent over and over and over again. And so we may take 15 years before we strike gold, but there's gold in them hills. There's gold in this land. There are souls out here. As Jesus said, the treasure is in the field. If we can get convinced that there is treasure in this field, that there is harvest in this field, then it will keep us continuing no matter how many days after day after day after day of finding nothing. We eventually will come in contact with something because it's been promised that it is out here. And there is, you'll never own a nicer pair of shoes than these gospel shoes that God has given us. And so we got to make sure that we are prepared with this gospel, that we tie our shoes tightly and we don't trip up because we have a task in, in front of us. I believe we're living in the last days. I believe Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. And instead of just, you know, being like a couch potato and just letting life, you know, carry on and just observing, we can do a lot of preparing because there is a harvest ahead of us. And it's going to come uh, very soon. Jesus Christ, the sooner we are to the return of Jesus Christ, the sooner we are to receive prayers and receive promises. Because every prophecy that is in your Bible, every promise that God has declared, it's going to come to pass. And if so we're, if we're that close to return to, of Jesus Christ, then we're that much closer to an answered prayer. We're that much closer to an answered heart. Or that much closer to a revival. And so this is the time to be lacing up our shoes, not, you know, kick off our shoes, put our feet up and just kind of relax. You know what? I, I don't really think I could do anything this hour. I'm ineffective. No, we do everything we can to prepare, to plan and to go forth. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for this gospel that you have given us, God. Lord, neither is there salvation in any other. Lord, this is a glorious gospel. This is a glorious truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, God, not only to treasure the truth, but God, to go forth with the truth. No matter the amount of rejection, I pray, God, that does not determine our projection. I pray that does not determine whether we cast out our bread on the waters. Lord, we may have been rejected. We may have been denied. Lord, people with this gospel have turned things down. But Jesus, we're going to keep marching forward with your truth because it is the truth. And if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Someone say in Jesus name.